And it's very important to understand that pain is not the cause of the issue typically. For what I see on a daily basis, pain is typically just a signal. And the cause of the issue is usually someplace completely different or some facet of training that's not even related to what's happening locally where the pain is. And that's what we have to diagnose, investigate, and address. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Today's episode, I am going to talk about pain, injury, and motor control. And these are three things that really play off of each other, are very interdependent off of one another, and they have a great influence on how we move and function in daily life. I hope everyone is doing okay. We're all staying at home trying to take care of things and now's a good time to take care of your body and take care of some of the underlying movement dysfunctions or issues that maybe we weren't paying attention to before and hopefully this episode provides you a lot of valuable information with how to start to attack that. So the first thing I want to start off with is that whenever we get injured or we have some type of pain it automatically will alter the way that we're moving or what we term motor control. So to break this down a little further, let's go over pain. What do I mean by pain? There's pretty much three categories when it comes to pain and the different types of pain. The first one is nociceptive pain. And this is involves anything that's chemical, mechanical, or thermal related that causes or induces pain. Typically, this is where a majority of orthopedic pain falls into. And for, for what I see, orthopedic pain is a lot more straightforward. Uh, In my mind, it makes a lot more sense. There's a lot of things that aggravate and cause more pain. There's a lot of things that alleviate pain. Um, It causes inflammation, causes excessive stress to go into certain tissues that cause damage or above that tissue threshold of what we can tolerate. And that typically causes pain. That's the first category. The second category is neuropathic pain. And typically, this is anything that is in the peripheral nervous system that's causing pain. And we do see this too in orthopedic cases, any of the brachial plexus injuries or any type of impingement type of patterns on on peripheral nerves. So this is something that we do deal with, but um, it's not as common, I would say, in orthopedics as the nociceptive pain that we see. Also, any type of nerve pain that's going to be automatically more concerning a red flag and that should be something that should get checked out immediately to see what is the underlying issue or cause of pain and the last category is central pain so this is anything caused by or being affected at the central nervous system level because that is going to be way more concerning way more urgent and something that you could you should have checked out immediately so this is anything in your brain uh, a spinal cord anything in your central nervous system that might be causing outward reflection of pain so what i want to say with injuries and what i want to emphasize is that your medical diagnosis or injury diagnosis that does not always correlate with the same movement dysfunction and typically what we're looking at when we 
evaluate and diagnose someone's injury is anatomically, this is what's wrong. This is what's damaged. But after that, my concern is functionally, what may be causing this type of pain signal and what may be overstressing or going beyond that tissue's threshold that causes problems, inflammation, and pain. And that may be completely different for all of the same injury. So for example, let's say someone has patellar tendonitis from jumping a lot. Not all patellar tendonitis is going to be caused by the same thing. Yes, the key factor is that you're throwing a lot of tissue into your tendon. Maybe it is from jumping repetitive amounts of volume. But for some person, it might be that, hey, you know what? Their quad is super, super tight with all this volume. So maybe we got to address it and back off on, on the volume versus someone else. It's maybe their core and their hips are very unstable. So it's causing their quad to do a lot more work than it should when really we got to really train the core and the hip. You can see that there's two different approaches there and not everyone with the same medical or injury diagnosis is going to have the same movement dysfunction. All individuals are going to have very different issues and causes that need to be addressed with motor control. Okay, so that's moving on to the third category. What is motor control? Motor control is basically how we control movements. And it's broken down into three phases, I guess you can simply put. One, you have to receive proper information back up to your brain from all of your receptors, your joints, your ligaments, your tendons, your muscles. It's it's constantly communicating back up to your brain. This is what's going on in this region of my body or with this task. So that's the first step is you have to adequately get proper information back up to the brain. Second step is that your brain has to be able to process this information and understand what it means and actually create the third step, which is provide a, a appropriate output an instruction to control whatever movement that you're going to do or whatever motor function it is that you're trying to carry out. So again, to reiterate, it's receiving information, processing that information, and providing that correct output or instruction to control movements, to control motor functions. And when you look at that, there's a lot of things that we have to address so that we can, one, lower our injury risks, two, not get any pain symptoms or minimize, reduce, and eliminate any types of pains that you are having because of injury or lack of motor function. And you can see how all three of these things are very interdependent off of each other. And we don't necessarily know when someone enters this cycle. It could be something like, okay, you woke up one morning, maybe banged your knee on the table. And for the rest of the day it's a little sore because it's sore maybe you go out to practice or you go out to your your fitness class and you're moving a little differently and because you're moving a little differently to avoid the pain that's something that your body will automatically do it might lead to injury over time if you keep doing that as a long-term strategy right so that's one situation another situation is maybe you're taking up a new class or a new new activity that you're still learning technique Maybe you don't have the proper motor patterns ingrained yet, so you're not moving as efficiently as you could. It's improper biomechanics, improper techniques. And when you're doing that, and if you never address that or improve that motor control, maybe eventually that leads to some pain. 
maybe eventually that leads into something more uh, serious or significant than the pain and it leads into some type of soft tissue injury and you can see how all of these things will play off of each other at that point and the last thing is that sometimes we have or sustain an injury and we just wait for all pain signals to reduce or subside but we never really address the motor control or the movement function and because of that you constantly see that when you do the same or similar types of demands because we never address how we're moving it causes either recurrence of injury or it causes pain in certain areas of the body that we need to be aware of and listen to either way all three of these things will work together and it's very important to understand that pain is not the cause of the issue typically for what i see on a daily basis pain is typically just a signal and the cause of the issue is usually someplace completely different or some facet of training that's not even related to what's happening locally where the pain is and that's what we have to diagnose investigate and address so to explain this further i always say pain is just a signal that a something is going on that we need to check What I relate this to that most people can visualize is it's like your check engine light on your car. Now, if you think about your check engine light on your car, and let's say you don't have the tools or the knowledge to diagnose and investigate why is that check engine light coming on, really the check engine light doesn't give you any indication of what's wrong. It just tells you something is wrong. You should go get it checked out. That's exactly what pain is like. It's telling you, hey, something is wrong with whatever you're doing. And it's something that needs to be checked out. Now, think about it. When your check engine light comes on, you take it to a mechanic, right? He puts in that scanner or that code reader to figure out what is wrong. But he has to know how to address it. Imagine if you went to a mechanic that didn't check what was wrong, didn't use the code scanner, didn't use anything that would point him in the right direction, and all he did was just reset that light, turn the light off. What's going to happen? You're going to go about driving the car, and the same thing is going to happen again. The check engine light is going to come on. And if every time you took it to the mechanic, his only solution was just to turn the light off, we're really not addressing what the problem actually is, and it'll keep popping up every single time. Now, obviously, you wouldn't want to do that for your car because you wouldn't be able to drive it. You wouldn't know when issues would arise. You wouldn't know if it would it's going to break down. But my question is that a lot of us, we wouldn't do that for our car, but we tend to do this with pain and, and previous injuries and current injuries. We tend to just want to turn down the pain signal, turn that light off, and kind of just assume that everything's going to function well. We never do any investigation beyond that to check for what is actually causing the pain. So again, the underlying theme of this episode that I can't stress enough is the place where the pain is, is typically not the cause of pain. And I'll give you a couple examples, and maybe this might hit home with some of you guys that have been in similar situations. Let's say someone that's taking up running and they're getting back into it they're starting to increase their volume but again i'll use the example like maybe they sustain a fall and they have a pretty significant knee contusion everything got checked out they're okay it was just a contusion but their knee is sore for maybe a week 
when they're still running through this, your body is automatically going to adjust and compensate around the pain to carry out whatever task you're trying to do. That's a very important concept. Because you're still running, but you do have some pain that's going to alter the way that you're moving, maybe your hip is shutting down because it's not wanting to function how it should because that again causes some pain. Even if it's not significant pain, that's not the point. Your body's going to work around whatever pain signals and figure out ways to compensate and get around that so that you can continue to run. Now, if your hip is shutting down, maybe you're not moving and controlling the way that you're running as normally as what you usually do. And this might cause, if that hip is shutting down, not able to stabilize when you're running, This causes the opposite leg maybe to take a shorter stride. Maybe it's hitting the ground a split second earlier than what you usually do when your hip is firing well. Because you're hitting the ground sooner, maybe there's more impact and maybe that arch is collapsing and taking more of that force. And when you think about this, it seems like, oh, but it's such a minute detail. But let's say you're backing down your running volume and you're only only running two miles now. Really, that's could be like 1500 times that your foot strike is happening a little sooner and your arch is collapsing a little bit more than it should and you're absorbing more of that force into your actual foot and your plantar fascia and before you know it a couple weeks down the line you have plantar fasciitis that's a very realistic example that i see in the clinic and it's really plantar fasciitis and the pain underneath your foot and in your heel that is the symptom that is where the problem and the pain is showing up But really, the problem is probably tracing back in this example to your hip. Your hip is not functioning how it normally does because you probably had some knee pain from that contusion. And what happened was it altered the way that you were running, altered that movement, that motor control, caused something else to take up more stress than it should. And because of that, over time, It created a new injury or a new site of pain. And really, we have to understand that, okay, that's another check engine light. That's another red flag. Let's check it out. Let's see what is the cause of this. What are some of the things that we have to address with movement so that we can address it, reduce the pain, but also get you moving better. Now, I want to give you a second example. And this is another common thing that I see too. Let's say with a baseball player, overhead athlete, right? And they're experiencing shoulder pain all of a sudden. You know, most baseball players, we experience shoulder pain, whether that's increasing the volume, throwing too much, or muscles just not in condition to do whatever task you're doing over and over and over again. But let's say the shoulder pain, you're now diagnosed with a shoulder injury. But if you kind of backtrack and see what actually happened leading up to the shoulder pain, let's say slowly over time, you were maybe less active, less doing your upper body mobility, your T-spine mobility, maybe sitting down a lot, getting hunched in that upper cross syndrome, that rounded shoulder posture. And because of that, it kind of made your T-spine get a little stiffer. And for an athlete that throws, you know, you need every, every part of the movement pattern to function well. But let's say your T-spine got stiffer. You're still throwing with the same velocity every practice, every game. But because you're not getting the help or that adequate movement from your T-spine, maybe your scapula, your shoulder blade is moving more now to make up for that lack of T-spine movement because your T-spine is getting stiff. Now, if the shoulder blade and the scapula is moving more, causing a little bit more instability there, it causes your rotator cuff 
to be a little bit more ineffective at controlling or doing its job. And if that scapula is moving, the rotator cuff is starting to get a little bit overused, having harder and harder times to meet the demands of your throwing velocity. Now what's going to happen is, okay, it's going to recruit help from other things. Maybe your bicep tendon is going to need to make up for that lack of shoulder stability and create more tension through your bicep. Maybe that bicep tendon starts to make your bicep tighter. You're still throwing. You're still thinking that you can perform. But after a while, that's how we get biceps tendonitis, bursitis, impingement, or even worse off, maybe it ends up leading to a slap tear. And you can see that the slap tear, the impingement, whatever the diagnosis is, that is the result and that is the symptom and the red flag of what's actually happening. That's where the pain is. But the underlying issue might have been, oh, we got to address your T-spine. We have to address your posture. We have to address the other things that contribute to that throwing movement pattern that may have shut down a little bit. That's really the cause of the pain. The symptom of the pain is in the shoulder again. So I bring up these two examples because we typically ignore underlying issues and we pretty much just put a quick fix or band-aid over it and rely excessively on you know getting medications bracing and doing things that are just a band-aid and we do that as a long-term strategy now i'm not saying medication um, other techniques braces taping i'm not saying that's not effective but i don't use it and rely on it a lot as a long-term strategy i want to really address some of these underlying causes of pain as I'm trying to use these other strategies to help restore that function faster. That is my ultimate bottom line and take home message is that we need to understand that you need to investigate the problem, address the cause of pain. And really, if you don't do that, the same issues are gonna keep arising. Now I'm gonna go back to that check engine light example again. And I want you to think about it. If you if your check engine light goes on tomorrow, right? Are you just going to find ways to turn it off? Or are you actually going to take it to somebody that will do a good job, will find out what the cause is and fix it before you start to drive it again? I think most people would want to do that because it's going to provide safety, you know, maybe peace of mind. And you know that the problem is getting addressed. Now, you're not going to take it just to any mechanic. You're going to take it to someone who has the experience, has the right tools, and has the knowledge to address that issue. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't just take it to someone that didn't ever work on cars, doesn't know the ins and outs of what needs to be fixed, and just hand it off to them and expect things to get corrected. I'm pretty sure you would want to take it to someone that you know is competent and going to get the job done. So that leads me into, if that's the approach, how you would address a problem with your car, we need to carry that over and and do the same things for our body. Understand that pain is like your check engine light. If something's wrong, we need to go investigate it. Now, if you cannot investigate it off of your own experience and knowledge because it has never happened to you, that's where I highly recommend going to see someone that understands the body. Go see your sports medicine physician. Go see an athletic trainer. Go see a physical therapist. Go see someone who has the tools and experience to actually investigate and troubleshoot the problem, not just put the quick fix band-aid over it because you are going to pay for it in the long run if you don't address the underlying cause. So when I am 
assessing, evaluating, and looking at all of the different injuries, my patients, my clients, that's the approach is I'm looking for all of the red flags, those check engine lights, those pain signals. And now I'm going to investigate and use tools, use my experience to address the underlying cause. And this goes for everybody across the board. So I'm not going to give you in depth how I do this, but just to point some people in the right direction, I will give some basic insight as to what some of my tools and my knowledge are to assess motor control. So one of the big things that I'm, I'm trained in is selective functional movement assessment. SFMA. And this is out of functional movement systems and it's the clinician or medical practitioner's uh, system to assess and diagnose what may be the cause of pain. And it's really looking at movement and how we're moving. Specifically, it's looking at mobility and motor control dysfunctions. And it gives me just, it points me into the right direction as to what kinds of things I should tackle first. And this gives me a lot of logic and of course experience through the years as how everything in the body works together. So it gives me a tool to assess motor control and what kinds of dysfunctions there are with movement. I kind of relate SFMA if we're going back to the mechanic example. The SFMA for me is like my comprehensive ratchet set. It gives me a lot of different attachments, a lot of different tools to target some of the underlying issues as to what's going on with your movement other tools that i have is i do utilize fms functional movement screen sometimes and this is of course part of the functional movement systems again and to me this is just a basic tool it's like your screwdriver something that's very basic it will handle a lot of different situations but it's not going to give you the in-depth tools or the functionality of tools like the ratchet set, right? So FMS to me is a good basic tool that I can just screen some basic movement patterns, get a snapshot as, hey, this is what's going on. And if something's wrong, I'll probably have to use other tools to investigate further. So I like the FMS. It's a good basic overlying way to quickly assess movement. And also for me, Beyond these things, I think the assessment is ongoing. With every session, every set, every rep, I'm seeing how they're moving, how they're taking in information, how natural it is, what their coordination is like. You know, like all of these other tools that I guess I have to assess motor control. And these might be relatable to like your specialty tools. So they're not well-versed. They don't have a wide range of function, but for certain situations, they're very good at diagnosing and seeing what's going on so these are things like how i'm going to coach exercises how i'm going to progress you it might be like the fine-tuned details like do you feel this what's your foot interaction with the ground Uh, how much cognitive resources am i putting on you you know what kinds of things can we do to progress you along that line to restore functional movement and that again is the bottom line is we need to restore functional movement because that will one reduce pain because you won't have that check engine light anymore because everything will be working well and it will reduce injury risks which is a big big component of not only rehab but training performance training because you don't want to get injured you want to do the right things to build your body up so overall that's kind of the logic and the approach when it comes to listening to pain finding out and investigating what the underlying cause is and restoring motor control 
or restoring functional movements. So before I end this podcast episode today, I want to just give away three take-home points. And this will hopefully help you guys to understand any of the injuries or the pain that you guys are experiencing and what kinds of things may help to restore that normal movement so that you can do all of the activities that you want to get back to doing. So my first take-home point is mobility dysfunctions will always result in lower quality input back up to the brain. And if you think about what I talked about first for motor control is that our brain needs to receive proper information from our joints, tendons, ligaments, muscles, everything that's going on away from our brain. So whenever you have mobility restrictions, just know that the information being sent up to your brain is going to be disrupted, probably lower quality information, or maybe not even information getting back up to your brain. So for me, what we're always looking at is mobility will tell you a lot about how you're moving, how you're using your body, and what types of things may help you to restore functional movement. So we always try to tackle mobility dysfunctions first. And that is a very vague statement, but the bottom line for everybody is like, if you don't stretch, if you don't work on mobility, it'll probably benefit you a lot just working on mobility to restore normal function. So the second point is that injury will usually result in some type of pain, even minor injuries, and it will have an effect on motor control. Again, going back to the car example, if you do have an issue with your car, the check engine light, take it to a mechanic who has the knowledge, tools, and experience to address it. Same thing, if you have an issue with your body, it's always best to have it checked out. Go see a sports medicine physician, an orthopedist, go see a athletic trainer, a physical therapist, someone who can address what may be the underlying cause of pain, especially if you don't you haven't experienced this before. Now going back to that car example, think about it. If you maybe bang the curb a little bit, you can kind of see like, okay, it's probably not that significant. But if you do want to take it into a mechanic, maybe they can check and tell you, okay, yeah, your tires are still aligned and balanced properly. We don't have to do anything at this time. That's the same thing with if you sustain a minor injury, having it checked out, everything's working well. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. But let's say you bang, I don't know, you bang the mailbox driving home, right? And it's a little bit harder collision. And it's like, you take it into the mechanic and he's like, you know what? We got to align your tires again, balance them out. This is a little bit more significant. Let's do this now so it doesn't become a bigger issue. Same thing if you get injured, you sprain your ankle, go have it checked out because there's certain things that maybe you don't even realize is happening with movement that if you address it now, it will provide for a quicker recovery and getting you back to performance better. Now, getting back to the car example, if you're banging tons of things every time you drive out, then maybe it's a bigger issue that needs to be resolved. Maybe you got to go, I don't know, take driver's lessons or something again and try to figure out, okay, I got to drive better. Same thing for injuries. I think people that sustain a lot of injuries or are chronically injured, sometimes it's just a technique. Maybe you got to go back to basics. Maybe you got to learn or assess how are you exercising? How are you training? How are you moving? It becomes a little bigger issue than just tuning up the car at this point. It's like, okay, let's address some of the underlying dysfunctions of movement. And if we address those, hopefully it will provide lower injury risks, but it will also increase and enhance the way that you're performing your activities. And the third and last take-home point that I want to touch on is 
Pain will alter motor control in unpredictable ways. And I see this very often. So we can't assume that something's going to happen with this pain signal. We have to actually not be lazy and go get assessed, go evaluate and determine what is happening with each individual. What do I mean by this is sometimes pain will cause like simple reflex inhibition. So what this means simply is that pain, it shuts down certain muscles. Those muscles will be underactive. You need to do something to turn those muscles back on so that you can eliminate pain and restore movement. But pain can also increase muscle activation in some cases. What does this mean? It means that because you have pain, certain muscles are overactive. They're almost like splinting your body. They're doing too much work. They're hypertonic. And this is going to cause disruption or dysfunction in how you're moving. So you need to do things to get this muscle to relax a little bit function on a normal tension and that will help you to restore movement so you can see it's unpredictable the body is just figuring out the best way to compensate around the pain and to carry out whatever task you're trying to do and that's what i mentioned earlier too the last component with this is that resolution of pain does not automatically restore motor control and i think that's where we get stuck sometimes is people think, well, my pain is decreased, I'm good to go, I'm going to move normally. That's not always the case. Sometimes the pain, because it altered your motor control initially, that motor control disruption has a longer term effect. And that's where you have to get things checked out, evaluated, and see, okay, are there things that I need to do to reset my movement and return to normal movement patterns? Okay, so with all of this, I hope it was a lot of good information. What you can do now is address some of these issues. I mean, find some ways now. If you're experiencing any type of pain or you have chronic pain, try to see what types of things you can do to address this. Maybe it's the next step to go see a professional. Maybe it's, hey, you know what? Let's get better with my corrective exercises that I have learned before. Maybe let's get more on mobility. Maybe it's let's back off of training volume and progressively build back up to that training volume. Whatever it is, Try to address some of these things now, especially when we have more downtime at home. Now, don't only pay attention to addressing the pain symptoms. Remember that there's an underlying cause of pain that needs to be addressed. And hopefully this gave you a deeper understanding as to what some of those underlying causes may actually be. If we catch things early on, we'll be able to restore that motor control, we'll reduce our injury risk, and ultimately the goal is to get rid of pain. It's understanding that pain is that signal, but pain is not something that we should have and deal with all the time. It's like driving your car. We shouldn't drive with that check engine light all the time. Things will start to snowball, get worse and worse, and lead to bigger issues. Also remember that not all injury diagnoses are the same. Just like how not all check engine lights point to the same issue or problem. So you need to get evaluated and find out what are the things that you need to address specifically to you or your injury. Overall, I encourage everyone to stay at home, stay healthy. There's still a lot of things that you can do to stay fit. And now might be the time to address some of these issues, these pain patterns, these movement dysfunctions when we have a little bit more time. Thank you for joining me. Everyone stay healthy. Take care and I will join everyone back here next week. Aloha. Aloha.